Chapter 1. Young Folk's History of the American Revolution by Everett Tomlinson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Colonel Gary Bohannon. The People in America. Why did the colonies in America rebel against England? What was the cause of the struggle which has now become famous? What was it that led to the Declaration of Independence and made the men on this side of the great ocean fight so desperately for almost a decade against the nation to which they were joined by ties of blood and the traditions of many generations? The answer is to be found in the very facts which, when we first think of them, seem to have been the strongest of reasons for holding the two nations together. It was just because the people in America were so like those in England that they could not agree. There was the same sturdy feeling of independence in both. There was the same unwillingness to be ruled by others, and the same determination to hold what they believed to be their rights in America that was to be found in England herself. The earliest stories of Old England are of the wars of the natives to prevent the Romans from ruling them. The Picts and Scots seem never able to learn just how to give up, no matter how severely they might have been beaten by the men who tried to conquer them. The hardy Saxons never tired of fighting back the Danes and the huge Norsemen who were constantly landing on their shores. And even when King William won his victory over Harold in the Battle of Hastings, the only way by which he was able to make the conquered people stay conquered was to remain in England himself. This same spirit was just as strong among the people who afterwards crossed the sea and came to the shores of America as it had been on English soil. The men in the New World loved the mother country. They never tired of telling their children of the glories and beauties of the home from which they had come. Her heroes were their heroes, and her rulers were also theirs. In the very telling, however, they unconsciously appealed to the natures which, though perhaps asleep, were nevertheless alive and had made England great, and were certain to produce results just as great wherever the sons of England went. We are usually told that the unjust taxation which a few of the foolish rulers of England imposed upon the colonies was the cause of the outbreak. The Stamp Act and the tax on tea are said to have been the laws against which the determined people in America rebelled, and at last brought to pass the separation which made of the struggling colonies a free and independent nation. These laws were unjust, it is true, but were they, after all, the real cause of the American Revolution? When a man throws a lighted match into a powder magazine, we are accustomed to say that the match was the cause of the explosion that followed. Was the true cause in the match or in the powder? The same man might throw a hundred matches into a pile of rocks, but no serious results would follow from his actions. There is nothing in a rock that can explode. So there are peoples who can be taxed and ruled, sometimes very unjustly, but they never rebel. It may be that even England herself has treated some of her dependent subjects at times much more harshly than ever she did America. But no trouble, or at least no serious trouble, arose. But in the American colonies there was much of the same feeling that has made the mother country herself so bold and independent. There was the same strong will and dauntless courage and love of having their own way, because they had no doubt that their way must be best, that they had received from their own fathers and mothers. They were simply a people who could not be ruled. But if there was ruling to be done, they preferred to do it themselves. It is said that there could not be two Caesars in Rome. No more could there be two rulers for the people of the Anglo-Saxon race. And so, just as when a boy is ill with the measles and the eruption on his skin appears, we know that the red blotches come on the surface only because of the disease that is already in his system, 
So we also know that it was not the matter of a few apparently insignificant laws that caused the strong-willed Americans to rebel. The rebellion, or independence, or whatever we choose to term it, was already in the very nature of the settlers, and the unjust taxation was only the cause of its asserting itself. They were born to be free, to be an independent and not a dependent nation. It is true there were settlers in America from other nations than England. The Dutch, the Swedes, and the French, and Spanish, and other peoples had their settlements here. But though they were by no means fond of obeying other laws than those they had made for themselves, still the English was the prevailing nation, and English blood was that which coursed in the veins of the most of the seaboard colonists. Then, too, the success which had attended the efforts of the colonists had only served to increase their feelings of confidence in their own power. They had driven out or overcome the savages, not always by the best or most just of means, and had felled the trees and cleared the land, and they could not forget that it was by the labor of their own hands that all this had been done. In 1760 they had sent more than five million dollars worth of produce to England alone, and their trade with other nations, although this was forbidden by Parliament, was by no means small. In 1639, in Cambridge, the first printing press had been set up, and newspapers and books were soon common. Six colleges had been founded, and were already doing much in connection with the numerous schools to enlighten the people. Harvard had been founded in Massachusetts in 1638, William and Mary in Virginia in 1692, Yale in Connecticut in 1700, the College of New Jersey, Princeton, in 1746, the University of Pennsylvania in 1749, and King's Columbia in New York in 1754. The preachers were men of unusual power, and altogether the people in the new land were already profiting by their success in trade, the benefits of their schools, colleges, and churches, and the circulation of their newspapers and books. The motives, too, with which many of the settlers had come to America had intensified their own feelings of independence. Some had left the old world because of the persecution they had suffered for their religion, and there is no one thing that makes people bolder than a strong religious faith. Others had come to seek possessions that should restore their families to wealth and position. The very difficulties which had been overcome had served to strengthen the feeling of self-reliance and to make the victories they had won the sweeter, for hardships are sure incentives to enthusiasm. The sight of a burning building, the peril of a stricken army, the sufferings and dangers of a contest are, after all, the appeals to which men most readily respond. So the meeting of dangers, the overcoming of difficulties, and the conquest of a new land had developed the qualities of heart and soul in the hardy colonists until the people were almost as rugged as the rugged country they had subdued. In justice to both sides engaged in the struggle, it may be said that some of the claims put forth by the English were not without a foundation of truth. They had provided a large navy to protect the trade of the colonies, though they had demanded that all the trade should come to them. It was their daring explorers in the capital that had opened up the lands in the New World. English soldiers had been sent for the protection of the settlers, and the mother country had been ever quick to respond to the calls or help that came across the sea. Particularly, they did make much of the part of the regulars had taken in holding back or driving back the Frenchmen who had been plotting to gain the recently settled lands for Louis of France. It was only just that the colonies themselves should bear the burden of taxation which must in part pay the expenses of the French and Indian War, waged, as they claim, in behalf of the colonists themselves. Such demands the Americans did not dispute, though Franklin declared that in the French War the colonists had, quote, raised, paid, and clothed nearly 25,000 men, a number equal to those sent from Great Britain, and far beyond their proportion. They went deeply into debt in doing this, 
and all their estates and taxes are mortgaged for many years to come in discharging that debt. Unquote. Parliament had on several occasions acknowledged the truth of this claim of Franklin, and it even voted sums of money to be paid the needy colonists for their labors and privations. But the necessity of raising more money for themselves had made the rulers forget largely the justice of but the necessity of raising more money for themselves had made the rulers forget largely the justice of the plea. Money must be had, and money they would have, too, and the colonists must raise what they were pleased to call their share. So the taxation came about which revealed even to the colonists the strength and determination which was theirs. The Englishmen were thinking mostly of how the money was to be raised, and the Americans be compelled to pay it. They had never a thought of serious rebellion, for though the colonists might complain, and there might even be some sharp words spoken, and perhaps more or less trouble in the beginning. In the end, the taxes would be paid, and such a thought as that the Americans would really rebel never seemed to have entered the minds of the obstinate men who were the advisers of King George. On the other hand, it was the principle at stake, and not the money which they were called upon to pay that roused the American men. When England asked them to pay or requested their aid, they were prompt to respond, for the love of the land from which they or their fathers had come was strong. But when England declared it to be, quote, her right, unquote, to tax and govern the colonies as she chose, then every sentiment of antagonism was instantly aroused. What might be given gladly would not be yielded when it was demanded as a right. There should not be, quote, taxation without representation, unquote. It was in this wise that the beginning of the long struggle came about. Probably few, if any, on either side had any conception of what the end was to be, and indeed many of those who were the boldest in resisting the payment of the taxes were very pronounced in their declaration of love and loyalty to England. But the spirit of the people, when once aroused, carried them far on their way, and though several times during the long contest that followed the rulers of England promised to grant the requests of the colonists and so put an end to the war, how little the taxes really had to do with it all became apparent when such offers were declined and the struggle continued. Independent men were fighting to become an independent nation, and the strength of their characters manifested itself in the fierceness of the contest. End of chapter 1